Speak the truth in love. Now, when I grew up in the 90s, in a youth group or something, we would, we would talk about the big problems in the world, and high on that list was relativism. You know, all truth is relative, depending upon one's point of view. There's no absolute truth. What's a boy? What's a girl anyways? And we don't like relativism, so that's, that's good. I hope we don't. We are people of the truth, called in the truth in Jesus Christ. But then again, think about this for a second. Like, so this happens from time to time in my house, maybe. Well, not exactly, but like this, but in some ways. Have you ever had people over? People over, yeah. And you're getting to that point where you might have something else you want to do, but the people are still there. And you kind of do the, uh, oh boy, it's getting a little bit late or something, but they don't quite get the hint. I'm sorry, some of us do not pick up on social cues very well, which is why you need to direct them towards my wife. And then, as you think, you're thinking like, boy, the Riders game is starting in like five minutes. And these people, like, they don't even know football exists. They're just like, oh, that's sports ball stuff. And so as you sit there, you think, boy, I, I have to say something. But you don't really want to say like, hey, I, I, I really want to watch the football game instead of hang out with you because... They're going to think you're some sort of maniacal Saskatchewan person. So instead, you say, boy, I was, I was really planning on calling my mom tonight. <laughs> well, that sounds good. And it was, well, maybe you were planning on calling your mom, whether that happens or not. But maybe you just say that because, well... That sounds like a pretty good excuse for someone to have to leave, not like the Rough Riders game. Who believes in relativism now? So we've been going through Proverbs in this series, Rules for Life. Uh, and we are to rule number seven, which is live the truth. Live the truth. The sermon's going to be short because there's not a lot for me to say here, just a lot for me to warn you, and uh, there's a lot for you to do and probably a lot for us all to change. So summary of the series, number one, the first rule for life is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Secondly, God blesses those who keep his commands. Three, keep your heart, don't follow it. Those are the general things. Then we get to more practical. Number one, drink at home, which means, you know, avoid the ruin of sexual immorality. Cling to Christ and fidelity and your spouse if you have one in love. Five, get up early. Sorry, the morning people, is like the tyranny of the morning people, but get up early. Be diligent in all that you are called to do. Rule number six, you'll have to go back and listen to it, which is eat only the best food. Great rule. And rule number seven, live the truth. 
Now, this starts with a very simple proverb. And now, when we start chapter 10, we get into the part of Proverbs that we think of as Proverbs, short little sayings of wisdom that give you some advice for this world. And this section, which starts in chapter 10 and goes all the way to 2216, has 375 Proverbs in it. And this is going to be proverb number 33 we're going to look at mostly. Uh, 375 also, strangely, is if you count up the numerical value in Hebrew, if you count all the numbers of Solomon's name, you would add them up to actually 375, which is an interesting bit of trivia, but it shows that like these things can seem a little random sometimes, but they're actually very carefully constructed in here. A lot of care is taken in the book of Proverbs. So the verse that we're going to look at is simply the verse one of chapter 11. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, this has two lines and the pattern here is a negative statement and a positive statement. That pattern will follow through in the first half of chapter 10. And it says in the first half, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Now, abomination is a strong word. It's like one of the strongest words that the Bible can use for something that is very distasteful. It's the kind of thing that the Bible uses to talk about male cult prostitutes, an abomination to the Lord. And the thing that is an abomination is a false balance, or perhaps better, a, a deceitful balance or a tricky balance. And a balance is simply, this is the old-fashioned version of what happens. If you go to the store and you buy bananas, you buy bananas, buy the pound, they're like, oh, what are they now? 79 cents if you're lucky. Everything's more expensive now. And you, they put the bananas on the scale and it tells you this many pounds of bananas, so you pay that much for that many bananas. In the ancient world, they didn't have digital scales quite yet, kids. And so what they had was a thing. They actually put it on their arm. Pretty cool. They put it on their arm like this, the, the trays people, because they would be like just sitting down in the market. If you go to third world countries today, it's still the same way. And they would have this thing that went over their arm and it balanced on this side, balanced on that side. They put the bananas on that side. People love bananas. And then they would put these little stones for weights on the other side. And there was an agreed for price per pound. Now, there were two ways that people could cheat this. Because it was on your arm, the center arm thing could be a little tricked, a little a little way that just by twisting something, you could get it to balance a little bit off, not too much, you don't wanna say it. Or secondly, your little stones, that maybe were supposed to weigh, let's say a pound, it was different weights back then. Maybe you had a stone that weighed a pound, but you also had a stone that weighed about 1.1 pounds. You had another stone that weighed 0.9 pounds. And so when you were buying something, you pulled out the little heavy one pound weight. And when you were selling something, you pulled out the little light one pound weight. And in that way, you could game the system. 
It's actually pretty cool. The stones, they usually had like little shapes of animals like turtles or something. You think of, you know, everything was cooler back then. Deuteronomy chapter 25 condemns this kind of thing. Deuteronomy 25, 13, you shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, who act dishonestly are an, guess what word we're going to see here, an abomination to the Lord your God. And it was so crazy because I think, like, abomination, that's for people who do really bad things. Like, the cult temple prostitution, like, like the wild, that, like, that's abomination. Somebody shaving 10% off of what they're selling does not seem like an abomination. That seems like just, you know, oh, somebody just uh, trying to get a little bit of a good deal. It's the kind of thing that people still today dislike but expect. It's a little like, oh man, when I bought my first car. The first car that I bought on my own, I was about 19, I didn't need any help. So I went to this very uh, new looking used car lot that had just popped up and would not be there for very long. And... I rolled in and I'm like, boy, I don't have very much money, but I see this car and it looks pretty nice. It's a 1983 Chrysler Cordova. Now, if you're wondering if I'm that old, I'm not that old. This is 2000 we're talking about. Um, and I talked to the salesman and the price is $1,700. I'm like, man, I got $1,700. And the salesman is like, well, is this like a good car? And he's like, oh man, this car belonged to a friend of mine. His mom drove it just on Sundays to church. Like, literally, this is what he told me. You'd think he would have made up it less. But I'm 19, and I'm naive, and I'm just like, oh, man, I like this thing looks. This thing. It actually was a really sweet car. I, I loved it until my wife got it crushed into a cube. And so I take it off the lot, and I drive it. I'm driving along for about half an hour. And about that time, that contract that said final sale as is, no return, started coming back to me because I drove it about half an hour. It stalled on the highway and rolled to a stop. And I waited a little bit and I like turned on. And then it like did and drove fine and did the same thing and for about half an hour. And it would continue to do that until I figured out the problem in about a year and a half. <laughs> right before the engine blew up. Now, using false scales is lying a little bit to gain, to gain an advantage. Everyone's selling, selling a car, like, you know, failing to mention that the, the accident history, cheating on taxes, embellishing a resume, padding your hours for a job. And it's easy to look at this thing as, you know, oh, that's kind of bad, but you know, we just forget it. But no, God abominates this kind of lie. God abominates it like Sodom and Gomorrah 
like cult prostitutes. And, and, and it seems like almost like, like an overreaction. Like God, like, like it's not that big a deal. They're just like doing what everybody else does. All the traders in the marketplace are doing this. All the contractors are fudging their numbers. All the people working for the government, and it's just the government's money, are just taking what they can get. All of the farmers are making sure the best testing wheat is in the place where they're going to sample it. God abominates falsehood. And the reason why is God is not just big on truth. Truth is in God's very character. The Holy Spirit, which is the gift that he promises all who believe in him, is the spirit of truth. Every word God speaks is true. And it's like the story I began with. You know, a little white lie to kick out overstaying guest. And it's like this temptation you know, to think, maybe people, if I just make this sound a little better, people will think better of me. I can't think of how many times that I have been tempted and participated in this kind of just like, I'm just going to wiggle the truth a little bit for my advantage. I'm just going to tilt the scale. Speak the truth. God abominates a false balance. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by living in lies. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And like, don't think that, that verse there, it's like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's like talking about like, oh no, those are those big sins out there. Because the verse before it, is, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. We must be people of the truth. God abominates false balances. And the second half of the verse says, a just weight is his delight. It's kind of like the opposite thing. He like, he like strongly reacts with moral outrage to people fudging the numbers just a little bit in their favor. But a just way isn't just something that God likes or expects, but is God's delight. He enjoys when people do the honest thing, even when they don't have to, even when nobody is going to notice that God sees that and smiles. And so many times in your life, like you're going to do something at cost to yourself. You're going to reveal a little information about the car you're selling. You're going to, you're going to maybe not sell a car that is just going to break pretty soon to someone. And it's going to cost you money. And nobody's even going to say it. Nobody's going to appreciate it. And you might feel, well, you know, what's the point anyways? Nobody really cares. God cares about the truth because his truth is from his very character in such a way as that when human beings all alone when they don't have to when they can just say that little lie when they say this the plain truth at cost to themselves 
God delights in it. His character overflows with joy when you speak the truth. Now, it's hard. You know, so many times, like, why do we bend the truth? Like, one, in, in the scales here, gain a little bit of money. Secondly, you're thinking about in interpersonal relationships, so people think a little bit better of us. And we bend the truth because we think more about what some person is going to think and about what God is going to think. And so lies are, in essence, faithless. But the truth will always set you free. Like, you might be thinking, man, if I speak the truth in this situation, it's going to be over. My marriage is going to be over. My business is going to be bankrupt. My, my friends are not going to like me anymore. But said, God delights in the truth. God will be with you. Even when you have to speak the hardest truth of your life, when you speak the truth, when you speak the truth in love, God delights in it such a way that the truth truly will set you free. Now, this felt heavy. We remember Revelation 21, when God sends away the unbelieving, what he lists, he says, but as for the cowardly, Revelation 21.8, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, I always thought, man, that seems harsh. It's like talking about sorcery, and then it's just like liars. Like, look, God, like, this is sin. But God, from the beginning, treated falsehood very seriously. Their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Okay, so I'm thinking that there's like two people that I want to speak to particularly right now. Number one is the person who hears this and like, man, this is really heavy because either I have something right now in my life that I'm just like not, I need to speak a truth and I'm just not speaking it because man, it's going to hurt things. And you feel like kind of crushed under this weight because I mean, some people like lying is really easy for them. I don't understand that. I'm a bad liar. I've always been. Like my, when I was a kid, I was getting in trouble because I was worse at telling the truth than other kids were at lying. And like this feels so burdensome. And, and, and in this moment, like you really need to look to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ did not just come for those perfect people, but he came for the faithless. He came for the liars. He came to give his life, the only one who ever spoke truth, to give his life in the place of, of people. People who just chronically bend the truth, who cheat on their taxes, who do bad business deals, who sell lemons to 19-year-old kids. Yes, there is grace there for everyone. And so this is the time to come clean in the truth. Yes, Lord God, I have lied, but Lord God, I thank you that when I stand in your light, there's freedom. 
And so if that's you, you're feeling heavy, like come to Jesus Christ. Every time we are burdened by our sins, it is, a, it is an invitation. Come back to the table and take of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to have communion next, which is leading into that. Take of the Lord Jesus Christ, because this is how he gives to you. Secondly, I plead, if, if you're a person who's maybe become hard-hearted in telling lies, that this warning would sink in and that you would really take it seriously to be true, even in the things that everyone else ignores, no longer tilting the balance in your favor, but judging with honest scales, knowing that God, like God is pleased, is delighting when you stand in the truth rather than walk in the crooked and deceitful ways of the world.